Pray with me. Father, we thank you for this glorious mystery that a baby has become the Lord of history. What a Savior. What a friend. And I pray, Lord, today that we would know you as our Savior and as our friend. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. God is good. All the time. Wow, this is an amazing crowd. We did not know who was going to come today, so we are glad that you are here. And uh, we've had a great, uh, great weekend of worship. Uh, I was in the first couple of services, and Gary Revis said, this is the most people we've ever had on Christmas Eve, and that was even before uh, the 11 o'clock crowd. So we are thankful for all of you who have worshiped with us this weekend. Can I just ask you honestly, do you, at the end of Christmas, do you ever just kind of, just kind of breathe a sigh of relief and go, wow. I am glad that is over. Um, you ever feel that way? It can be kind of frenetic after the crowds. And um, I, I read about a woman who uh, waited until the last minute to send out her Christmas cards. You ever do that? And she waits till the very last minute. And um, so she just runs into a store. She just buys the first Christmas card she can find. Um, she addresses them. She doesn't even sign them. She just sends them out. And then on Christmas Day, she kind of sits down and, and like we're doing today, just kind of Okay, and she opens up the leftover card, the one she didn't send, and it says on the inside, this card is just to say a little gift is on the way. I mean, her trouble was just starting, you know. She had inadvertently made 49 Christmas promises uh, that she couldn't easily keep. Well, we've all made promises. Here we are at the end of a year, and we've all made promises, haven't we? We've all... um, We started this year, 2010, with uh, all kinds of resolutions and things we weren't going to do that we did in 2009, and things that we were going to do that we didn't do in 2009. We were going to get them right this year, and maybe you, like me, feel like, um, well, I didn't actually score 100% on that. I missed some of the promises, didn't keep them, like this woman who sent out those cards, the good news about Christmas is it's really, it's really about promises made and promises kept by God. God's promises through the prophets fulfilled in the form of a baby who was and is God with us. The poet songwriter Bob Bennett said, a promise kept while the world slept. This is the story of Christmas. And at the first Christmas, there were at least two people who were really ready for Christmas to come. Uh, Simeon and Anna. They are perhaps the least known of the Christmas cast, though I would venture to say if you were part of our Christmas celebration last Sunday evening uh, through Wesley Brainerd's uh, picture of Simeon, you have a better understanding of who they were. But I want us to understand through their story what we commonly call the spirit of Christmas. Would you open your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 2? verses 25 to 35, and let's think together briefly this morning about the spirit of Christmas. And would you stand with me as we read God's Word today? Luke chapter 2, verse 25, it says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting For the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. 
moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Thank you. You may be seated. Christmas is a time where we think about the, the spirit of Christmas. And I wondered this week as I was shopping, probably uh, crossing paths with you somewhere by the mall or at a grocery store, what exactly is the spirit of Christmas? Is it the way we treat each other at Christmas time? Because I'm not sure that that qualifies as something that we would want um, to perpetuate throughout the year. I was just sort of watching at one of the grocery stores and I came home and said to Melanie, everybody there was mad. <laughs> they were all just sort of angry. I mean, people were rushing and, and uh, I was driving through the parking lot and um, there were several open spaces, but one lady was waiting for this one space that was a little bit closer to the store. Maybe you've done that. Maybe, maybe this was you. I don't know. But she was holding up a whole line of people behind her who could have gotten to the other spaces if she had just chosen a space. They could have all parked. But, and I was just sort of watching and uh, thinking, this, the spirit of Christmas must be more than this. It has to be more than that feeling we have after we open all the presents and we feel, perhaps, is, is that all there is? Are those all the gifts that we have? What exactly is the spirit of Christmas? Well, it's Luke who tells us so much about the Holy Spirit, not only in the Gospel of Luke, but also in the book of Acts, who gives us a, an image of what the spirit of Christmas really is. The truth is, Christmas was all about spirit, or should I say, the spirit, the Holy Spirit. And it's Luke, who shows us that at this special time in history, the Spirit of God began to work in extraordinary ways, that the Spirit was promised to fill John, this child who was to be born to Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth. And then the Spirit was the one who was to come upon Mary and overshadow her so that she would conceive and give birth to the Son of God. It was Elizabeth who was filled with the Spirit when the baby leapt in her womb, when John the Baptist recognized even sort of uh, um, before his birth that Jesus had entered the room as a, an infant being carried by his mother Mary. It was Zechariah who could finally speak again, who was filled with the Spirit, who, who sang a song simply acknowledging the greatness of of the sovereignty of God. And it's the Holy Spirit who comes upon this man named Simeon and this woman named Anna, whose story is told in verses 36 through 38. It's the Spirit of God who comes upon them, who, who reveals to Simeon and says, you're not going to die. 
You are not going to die until you see the Lord's Christ. And he makes this promise. And on this day, as Simeon walks into the temple, because God has told him to come, and he enters into that place, and he's looking, he's looking everywhere for a baby, because God has made this promise to him. And the promise is revealed. He looks at Jesus. He knows that Jesus is the Son of God. And it's the Spirit of God who makes that known to him. So that we might say, if we were writing about Simeon today, he was a very spiritual person. Luke says he was filled with the Spirit of God. And I wonder who the truly spiritual people are. The Spirit of Christmas is the Spirit of Christ. And those who are truly spiritual are those upon whom the Spirit of God rests. There's an inventory you can take at belief.net. Um, you can pick this up uh, on the internet, belief.net, and it will tell you just how spiritual you are. Now, I don't agree with all the questions. I wouldn't have worded them the same way. But if you can make your way through this maze of 25 questions, at the end, they have a list and they'll tell you either you're, you're sort of a, uh, an atheist or an agnostic, that's sort of the least spiritual by their definition, or you can sort of be a spiritual dabbler or a person of deep spiritual interest. And I was interested after they scored my test that the category for me was candidate for clergy. And I thought, well, maybe there's something to this. Maybe, maybe, you know, maybe I didn't like the questions, but maybe, maybe this does tell us something about where we are. Well, how can you tell how spiritual you really are? Well, I believe there are just some evidences in Simeon's life that you and I can observe and understand what it means to be a truly spiritual person. What we notice about spiritual people is that as Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus, they're not so much intoxicated with wine as they are intoxicated with God. Remember what he says in Ephesians 5, and we're studying that and just continuing that study just with that reference to that verse this morning. Don't be drunk with wine, he says, but be filled with the Spirit of God. It was uh, Wesley who observed that von Zinzendorf and the Moravian Brethren, this group of people who for 100 years prayed every moment of every day around the clock for 100 years. And they sent out missionaries who came to the United States. And Wesley, John Wesley, ran into some of those missionaries on the boat on the way to come to the United States. And John Wesley said about this group of people, they were God-intoxicated people. It's not uncommon at this time of year to encounter intoxicated people, hopefully not on the roads. But what if we were those people who were so consumed with God that we were God-intoxicated people? I think Simeon was that kind of person. He was just so filled with God. And we look at him and we say, what is a spiritual person like? And I'll tell you, I think spiritual people reveal something about the character of God. Just notice in verse 25 where it says that Simeon was righteous... And he was devout. The word righteous really means to be right. And it has to do, I think, more with our horizontal relationships that we're right with each other. He was right with people and then he was devout. Eulabes in Greek. He was, he was spiritual. He was right with God. He, he, was, he was right with God. And we look at his life and, and it says he was waiting for the consolation 
of Israel. He had this anticipation that God was going to keep his promise and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And just the way I read it this week, I wondered perhaps as we read it, if we might think, well, of course the Holy Spirit was upon him. He was righteous and devout. And if you and I would just be more righteous and devout, then the Holy Spirit would be upon us. But actually that sort of reverses the order. It's not true that if you and I will just try to be a little bit more righteous and devout that then God's spirit will say, wow, that person's really, really spiritual, so I'll just come upon that person. It's really rather the reverse of that, that when the spirit of God is really upon your life, it's revealed in right relationships with people, in right relationship with God. And we begin to live as people who are are pleasing to God in every way. And we begin to reveal the presence of God to others so that when other people see us, they see the Spirit of God upon our lives. I've known a few people like that in my lifetime. I've served with some who who simply walk with God. And it's revealed in their lives by, by who they are. They're righteous and they're devout and God's Spirit is on them. We read about it periodically through the Scriptures. Samson's story and the Spirit of God began to stir in his life at Mahanadan. There are just times when God comes upon a person and Simeon was that kind of person who lived. And Paul says to the Ephesians, be continually filled. Be being filled, literally, with the Spirit of God. So that when you're bumped, you spill what you're full of. And you're filled with God. And you're going to be bumped, especially at this time of year. You're, you're, somebody's going to steal your parking place. Somebody, somebody's going to do something that, that's obnoxious to you. And some family member is going to offend you. They're going to say something that you wish they hadn't said. Or maybe you're the one who said something you wish you hadn't said. And in the midst of that, there is hope for us. It's not that, that Simeon was, was just so good that God's Spirit came upon him. It's that God's Spirit came upon Simeon. And he was so good. We might say Simeon was so good because God was so good. God was so good in his life and so filled him in his life. I read this week about a plaque in another church and it had the picture of an elderly man reaching down to take the hand of a child. And it's the story of a man named Harding in that church who loved to love the children And when he was no longer physically capable of coming and caring for the preschoolers at the church any longer, he was no longer the greeter in the preschool wing, one of the children, no kidding, looked up at his mom and said, why wasn't God there to meet us at church today? And I saw that story this week and I remembered Herb McIntosh and uh, you might fill in the blank of another name of somebody who has just loved children in Jesus' name. We're going to need a lot of you to do that in the new year as VIPs, to care for the children, to share in that ministry. And, and you, you could say, well, you know, I've sort of, you know, paid my dues already. I've already been there and done that. But I love about Simeon that as old as he is, I love about Anna, who is either 87 years old or... She's been a widow for 87 years. It's one of the two, and the Greek is not especially clear on the subject. But either way, we can agree. Um, she was no longer uh, you know, in her 20s or 30s. She was in the ninth, at least the ninth decade of her life, and she is still going strong, serving the Lord. And I wondered, who will be those people who reveal the character of God, who are truly spiritual people by being righteous and devout, who are who want to be in the temple courts, who want to be with God's people, who want to worship Him, those 
who are spiritual. Those spiritual people are those who reveal something of the character of God. And I'll say something else about spiritual people, that they are those who receive and believe God's promises, who, in the words of the old hymn, trust and obey. And I love about Simeon and Anna that they trusted God enough. You, you would think after a period of time that Simeon would think, well, maybe I just didn't hear God right. Maybe he didn't really tell me that I was never going to die until the day that I had seen the Lord's Christ. But he keeps coming and he comes to the temple that day. Why? Because it says in verse 26, it's been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. In verse 27, he's been moved by the Spirit. And he wakes up that day sort of like that Disney character in, uh, in the, the uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame who says, as he looks out at the beautiful morning, is today the day? Is today the day? And he lives with that sense of holy anticipation that God might keep his promise that day. And he's looking for the fulfillment of God's promise. And he comes there specifically that day because God has brought him there. And I wonder who those are who trust in God's promises today. Those are spiritual people. I don't know what God has promised to you. I remember a few years ago, one in our congregation uh, was given a horrific diagnosis. And um, I remember calling her on the phone and praying with her and the diagnosis she received. Every person I'd ever known who had ever had that diagnosis in my 26 years of being a pastor, every one of them had died of that, of that disease. And so when I called her, you know, how do you talk to a person like that? I called her and I I said, I am so sorry to hear. And she said, you know, I know. And she's this young mom with these two little boys. And she said, I know what they said, but I've been praying. And God has just told me that this illness will not end in death. And I just, I was like, wow. Okay. I didn't say wow, but I I thought, wow. Okay. You know, They didn't talk about this in seminary, you know, what to say to people who have been told they're going to die, but don't believe they're going to die. And I'm like, wow, okay, okay. And the only thing that came to me, and I'm sure it was the Spirit of God who said this to me, so I said this to her, I said, well, I'll tell you what, whatever God's told you, hold on to that. Now, looking back, that was kind of a cowardly thing to say. I mean, you know, I I mean, but it was just honest. I, I didn't know what God had said to her, and I just said, okay, if God told you that, will you just hold on to that? Don't let go of that. You know, sort of Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. Why? Anybody remember why? Anybody remember the end of Hebrews? I put the kids on the spot. Can I put an adult on the spot? What's the end of Hebrews 10, 23? Why do we, like pit bulls, hold on unswervingly to the hope that we have professed? Why do we do that? Anybody remember? Because he who promised is faithful. I said, just hold on to that. I remember going to the hospital the morning that she was to have the procedure where they were going to go into, if you heard this diagnosis before, into the pancreas to look for the tumor. And I remember praying with her and her husband before she went in. I remember all of that. I remember getting a phone call. And they said, well, there wasn't a mass in the pancreas, but there was some sort of venal malformation, and they corrected that. And though it's going to take some time, but she's going to get well. And I thought, okay, so, so what God said to her was really true. And here's just what I want to say to you this morning. I know this you know, may be generic for you, but, 
But there are all kinds of promises in Scripture, and I think spiritual people are those who believe what God has said, who take God at His word, and who hold on to that promise, and who not only trust God, but obey God. Trust and obey. You remember that hymn? For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. And some of us can look back at 2010 and say, we just haven't been very happy this last year. And I'm not saying that the circumstances of our lives have dictated happiness in this last year, but I would just say this. If we have not trusted and obeyed, that's a pretty good place to start out with the reason why we've not been happy in Jesus. And so as we look into a new year, I wonder if we, like Simeon, could say, God has made some promises to me. He's never going to leave me nor forsake me. And I'm going to trust God Emmanuel, God is with us, that He's going to be with me even when I can't see Him, even when I can't feel His presence, even when I don't understand. I'm going to trust Him and I'm going to obey Him because that's what spiritual people do. Spiritual people believe God's promises, receive them, trust and obey. And the last thing I would say to you about spiritual people is that they, they know God when they see Him. I love Fred Craddock's uh, depiction of Simeon. He, he depicts him as, I mean, how do you think of Simeon? He depicts Simeon as a sort of Gandalf-looking kind of character, you know, with this sort of flowing, long, white beard and, uh, you know, kind of grizzled beard and, you know, kind of hunched over. And I think Wesley Brainerd kind of captured it pretty well, but he's sort of scurrying around, you know, looking underneath blankets, you know, pink blanket, no, blue blanket, maybe, maybe, no. You know, and just think about the people who didn't have the baby Jesus, you know, and he's like, no, your baby's not the Messiah. But, but this day, he pulls back a blue blanket, so to speak, and there, and there is Jesus. And he knows it's him. And he does two things. He blesses God. Do you hear it there? The nunc dimittis, this song of praise. He, he blesses God. Sovereign Lord, the word in, in Greek, despotes, despot. God, you are absolutely in charge. God, you're in control. God, you're on your throne. And he blesses God. And then he blesses Joseph and Mary. But it's an interesting blessing, isn't it? I mean, I would not recommend that you say this to somebody who's got a newborn. Yeah, this baby is going to be great, but oh, a sword is going to pierce your soul. You know, like the, the, what Ruth Pomacall in my first church, who used to say to me as we looked at the little children playing in the church, she would say, when they're little, they step on your toes. When you get older, they step on your heart. Have a nice day. And she would just walk away. Thank you. Thank you for that encouraging word. Thank you. Well, that's sort of what he says, isn't it? Yeah. You know what? Your son is going to cause many people to rise. He's going to be a stumble block for some and cause many to fall. And I don't know how to tell you this, Mary, but a sword. And he doesn't use the little word for sword, makera. No, romphia. A great big sword is going to pierce your soul. And Luke will show us as, as Jesus is crucified. And John will show us J Jesus' mother standing there at the foot of the cross as her son 
is crucified. I can't promise as we enter a new year this year that everything is going to be great. I'm your pastor. I'll just be honest. Some of you, a sword is going to pierce your soul this year. It's going to be, for some of us, a very hard year. And for some of us, it's going to be a very good year. And, and we don't really know going in, do we? We just, we really, we don't know. I started out 2010 preaching about 2010 as the year of hope. And so many of our hopes have been realized in this year. But some of you can say, yeah, but I had hoped and my hope was not revealed. And my word to you this morning is that as people who live in the Spirit of God, the good news is that, that if you are following Him and you know Him, you will know Him when you see Him. Like, like Simeon, you will know Him when you see Him. I was thinking this week of the most spiritual person I've ever known. I mean, I, somebody would say, well, it was Mother Teresa. I don't know. I don't know. I didn't know her. Um, somebody will say it was Billy Graham. I've never met him. I'll tell you, I think the person that I met who was the most spiritual that I ever knew was a guy named Jamie Smoot. And um, Jamie was um, in the military over in Europe, and I think he, he got out of the military, but he stayed over there, and he was preaching at a, what we would call like a Camp Tallowood kind of meeting. He was preaching at one of those. And I remember him because he was just, just covered in God. I mean, you know, he wasn't I mean, physically uh, impressive, but he had this, this sort of spiritual intensity in his eyes. He was just urgent for the things of God. And he preached at this, um, we, were, we were standing in a youth hostel, and to be honest, to be totally honest with you this morning, um, you know, my brothers and friends and I, we, we were um, pranksters, and we were trying to think of ways that we could pull pranks on the other kids in this sort of retreat setting. But I remember getting up during the night and sort of making my way down the hall to pull a prank that, that I had planned and running right into Jamie Smoot. And here's this, you know, kind of tall, skinny guy with a blonde beard and these piercing eyes, and he looked at me and he said, would you like to read the book of Jeremiah with me tonight? And I was thinking, no, not really, but I'll go back to my room now. And, um, and I just remember his spiritual urgency. And you know, I can't remember the text that he preached on, but this is what I remember. He was just consumed with God. And for him, that was enough. And I wonder if all the other things that we try to satisfy our souls with are not in some ways displays of our dissatisfaction and our ingratitude with God and all that He's given us. And I wonder if in some ways we're not filled with the Spirit of God because we've so filled our lives with other things that there's really not room for God to just come in and take control. I wonder if that's why we pursue material things as hard as we do. I wonder if that's why some of us think if we just drink a little bit more, we'll feel better when it never really satisfies. I wonder if that's why some of us are always restless. What did Augustine say? Oh God, you have made us for yourself. And we are restless until we find rest in you. And my prayer for us today is that we would discover what Simeon discovered. That to be full of God is to be full of life. 
that the spirit of Christmas is the spirit of Christ himself. That it was Christ who came so that our lives would not be so insatiably thirsty for things. That our lives might be satisfied with the one who satisfies the thirsts of our souls. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for your presence in this place. Thank you for your amazing love. Help us today, I pray, God, to find in you everything we need. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.